This morning we come to the final sermon in our series, My Big Fat Mouth. And I know most of you are thinking, praise he the Lord. Um, but we come to the end, and this morning I'm looking at uh, the curse of gossip. Now before we look at gossip, we need to define it. Uh, and what I've done is I've, I've joined gossip with, with slander, with slander, just because uh, that's what the Bible does. It kind of joins them together. They're slightly different, but they're also very, very uh, similar. So this is my definition, once again. Uh, there may be better definitions, but this is my definition, and that is gossip and slander involve the act of sharing information about others to others about something that is not ours to share. And when the information is true, that's gossip. When the information is not true, that is slander. Now, our society is very, very comfortable with the idea of gossip. We're very comfortable with it. And we see this uh, in two ways. Firstly, our society has a tremendous appetite to just take in gossip. Our society, just there's this real desire for gossip. I'm sure you've stood in the, uh, in the, the lines at Savon, and you've seen those magazines with the crazy headlines, like, we, ex- we reveal Brad Pitt's 23 love children, or, or, uh, or ones like Pierre, uh, Pierre Polyev exposed as a Russian spy. You know, you've seen all those headings. And, and of all of those tabloids, the National Enquirer is the biggest, the largest. They're bigger than any newspaper in all of North America, and they have a far larger audience. The National Enquirer is read by 5.3 million people. Let that sink in. There are 5.3 million people who get their news from the National Enquirer. Secondly, we see that how gossip is tolerated in our society by how easily it is passed on to our children. How easily gossip uh, go, uh, kind of moves down to our children and becomes part of their behavior. A little while ago, some uh, researchers did some research on gossip, and they, they discovered, firstly, that almost 60% of all conversations on a daily basis involve some form of gossip. 60%. And then they also discovered a very shocking statistic, and that was children at a very young age learn to gossip by by, uh, imitating adults who gossip. Do you want to guess at which age uh, children start gossiping? Five years old. Five years old, children learn to gossip. And our comfort of gossip is also reflected in, in our use of the word gossip. Firstly, the word gossip's not very descriptive, is it? Well, gossip, like it doesn't bring up any mental images that we can go like, oh, that's what it brings up. And secondly, it, we, the synonyms that we use for gossip are very, very tame. So if you go to thesaurus.com, these are the following synonyms for gossip. To account, the buzz, chatter, grapevine, hearsay, dirty laundry. Just none of them are, are harsh words, right? 
They're, they're none of those that bring to our mind just an image of how bad gossip is. Andrew, do you mind just bringing, my, bringing me my water? I think it's next to you. Oh, there we go. Thank you. So, oh, thank you. Our, our names for gossip as English uh, speakers in this century, the names are not very, they're not very, they don't bring up these mental images. This is not the case hundreds of years ago when gossip was actually a crime. And there were a number of names for gossip that were very descriptive. And these are my, my, my favorite. The first one is, is a babble merchant. Some merchant was somebody who bought and sold and traded, and the idea is that a gossip was somebody whose business it was to buy and sell Babel. The second name that I really like is, in the Middle Ages, the word smith meant occupation, so someone who worked with iron was an ironsmith, for example, and one of the names in the Middle Ages for gossip was a jawsmith, somebody whose occupation was their jaw. And then there is my absolute favorite, which is a clatterfart. <laughs> right? And if you think about it, that's just gossip. Firstly, it's that idea of a clatter, an uncomfortable noise. And the second part of the word describes that gossip doesn't come out the mouth. You can fill in the rest. And the Bible, too, has a number of words that describe gossip that again are very, very telling. I just want to touch on two. And these words help us see the serious nature of gossip. So Paul writing to Titus says the following. He says, be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one. And the Greek word for slander is a Greek word that when I say it, you're going to know it. It's the Greek word blasphemio. Anyone want to guess what English word comes from that? To blaspheme. We often think of blaspheming as against God, right? For us, that's blaspheming, is to speak evil of God, to malign God's name. For us, that's, that's blasphemy. But Scripture talks about gossip and slander as blasphemy. This is exactly what James has in mind when he says, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. The second Greek word that's also very telling is found in Paul's letter to Timothy, where Paul says to Timothy, he's describing the end times, the last days. And he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be unholy, without love, unforgiving, malicious gossips. And the word there for malicious gossips is the word diabolos. Anyone heard that word before? In Scripture, that word diabolos three times is translated as gossip. 32 times it is translated as the devil. Diabolos, the devil. And because gossip is such a serious matter, the Bible speaks very clearly into this issue of gossip and slander. And firstly, the Bible describes to us that as the people of God, gossip and slander should not be a part of who we are. 
It shouldn't be a part of our makeup. It shouldn't be a part of our DNA. It shouldn't be a part of who we are. And we see this in Leviticus 19. And God gives these people this, this set of instructions. And as Christians, we're often we're tempted to look at all the commands in the Old Testament as just a set of rules that, that have no bearing on us. But, but the commands and the rules set out in the Old Testament were not only rules that people needed to obey, but they were rules that were to determine the makeup and the DNA of God's people. But by obeying the rules, they were different to the, the culture and the society around them. It was through these rules that they set themselves apart from everyone else. And so God says in Leviticus 19, you need to stand out. And this is what you need to do to stand out. This is what it looks like. And he says those uh, commands that we all know, be holy, uh, do not worship idols, do not steal, do not lie. And included in these commands is the following. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. And so as followers of Jesus, we are meant to be holy. We are meant to worship no one but our Heavenly Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We are meant to, to not lie, to not steal. That's all part of, of, of being God's children. But, but not being involved in, in gossip is also a part of that. And then in Psalm 15, King David asks the, the question of who can come into God's presence? Who can be ushered into the presence of the Holy of Holies? So David asks, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Who may come into your presence? And then David answers the question by saying, these people may. And David says, who may enter? Well, those who lead blameless lives and who do what is right. Well, the question is, well, what does the blameless life look like? Well, David answers that as well, because he then says, those who are blameless are those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. So firstly, gossip and slander, they're just not meant to be a part of our DNA. But the Bible takes it further. And the Bible actually describes a gossip as a grievous evil. And there are two examples, in the, one in the Old and one in the New Testament. So I'm going to start in the New Testament and then look at the Old Testament. So in the New Testament, Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he's describing those who are, are not followers of Jesus. In fact, they're the opposite. They, they, he, he talks about their minds being completely corrupted. And so Paul describes those who he says have corrupt, corrupted minds, and he says these are the characteristics of those who have rejected God. He says this, uh, Paul says, these people, they are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Scripture takes gossip and, and slander so seriously. Do you see what Paul's saying? 
Paul's, Paul's putting gossip and slander in the same level as hating God, unrighteousness, wickedness, murder. How crazy is that? There's an even more serious passage found in the Old Testament. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 6. And uh, Solomon in, in Proverbs chapter 6 tells us that there are seven things that God absolutely hates. Seven things that God detests. And Scripture, or Solomon in, in, in Proverbs 6, describes them as seven abominations. And the word seven in Hebrew culture means completeness. And so what, what Solomon is saying is these seven abominations, this is the absolute and complete description of what God hates. So Solomon describes what those seven practices are. So he says there are seven things that are an abomination to God. A haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who spreads discord among family members. So Solomon says these are seven abominations. These seven sins, they complete what it means to be evil. And then that word, seven abominations, Solomon ties it in a few chapters later where he says this. He says, when he, the gossiper, speaks graciously, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations within him. Do you get that? Do you see that Solomon is saying that there are seven evil sins? And most of us would say, well, I, I don't do any of those because they're quite severe. But Solomon goes on to say that those seven in, in the heart of a gossip are all wrapped up in their heart. We may not see gossip as serious. We, we may fail to understand just how evil gossip is. Not the ancient rabbis. In the first century AD, a rabbi, Rabbi Ishmael, talking about gossip, put it like this. He said, one who engages in gossip is guilty of a sin equal to the other prohibitions for which a Jew must accept death, namely idolatry and murder. Okay, some heavy stuff, but we will get to some light stuff at the end, I promise you. If you can just hang in there till the end. So I just want to look at some characteristics of gossip. And the first characteristic of gossip is it's delicious, it's tasty, it's appealing, it's attractive. When somebody starts gossiping, we lean in and we listen because, oh, man, it's just delicious. It's attractive to hear what's been said about others. Solomon says exactly that. He says, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost part. Secondly, gossip spreads very, very quickly. James uses the analogy of a forest fire. He says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Here in BC, we're kind of used to fire season, right? We don't necessarily get the fires, but we see that smoke that comes in and it gets channeled down the valley, and then we just have gray scars for a month or two. 
Now, forest fires, when the, uh, when the circumstances are right, can spread incredibly quickly. And in fact, if the wind is right, a, a forest fire can cover uh, 30 kilometers in an hour. I want you to think of that the next time you're driving past a school, where you should be doing 30, but as you're driving past the school, just look at the, the distance you're covering. That's how fast a forest fire spreads. The fastest time ever that a human being has run a 30-kilometer race is one hour, 27 minutes, and 13 seconds. Which means not even the fastest human alive can outrun a forest fire. And gossip's the same. You cannot outrun gossip. It's faster than you will ever be. You all have a piece of paper. So what I want you to do is I want you to take the piece of paper and I want you to tear it into little pieces. The whole piece of paper. So do that now. Okay. Lots of little pieces. Okay. Once you've done that, hold it loosely in your hand. Okay. Loosely in your hand. I'll give you a moment to tear up those pieces of paper. You can tell all the OCD people among us, they're folding the page and then tearing along the lines. Okay, so has everyone torn that piece of paper? Is everyone holding it loosely in their hand? Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to throw it as hard as you can. So throw it up. Everybody, throw your paper. Okay, now what I want you to do, now what I want you to do is I want you to find your pieces and put it back together. You can't, right? You just cannot. It's impossible. It just, you cannot. And that's the third characteristic of gossip, and it's this. Once gossip is out, you can never reel it back in. Once it's out, it's out for good. You, you can never reel it back in. So what are some of the consequences of gossip and slander? There are always consequences. Always. We reap what we sow, right? So firstly, there's injury to the person being slandered or being gossiped about. Uh, gossip and slander are, are, are different but similar. And even though they're slightly different, they're basically the same sin, and the outcome is the same. And that is the person being gossiped about or being slandered is injured or harmed. The only difference between gossip and slander is one of degrees. So imagine an assassin who approaches his target with a shotgun and kills them. That's, that's slander. But imagine that same assassin takes out his target from uh, 500 yards away with a sniper rifle and a scope. That's gossip. The one is a shotgun, the one is a sniper rifle. But guess what? In both cases, the victim is dead. It doesn't matter whether it's a shotgun or a sniper rifle. The person is dead. Second 
characteristic of, of gossip is that it corrupts the whole body. It corrupts the entire body. When we gossip about each other, there's distrust, there's anger, there's suspicion. And the peace we have is fractured. Remember I said in the Middle Ages, uh, gossip was an actual crime you could get arrested for. And if you were arrested for gossip, you would be charged with two offenses. And the first is disturbing the peace. And the second is causing civil unrest. Doesn't gossip still do that? Doesn't it still cause unrest? Doesn't it still deserve, disturb the peace? So I have a question for you, and I want you to give me, help me with the answer. And the question is, how much corruption can we safely allow? How much gossip is too much? How much gossip can we tolerate? How much gossip can we safely handle before it corrupts the whole body, before we need to deal with it? Well, let me give you an illustration. Suppose I invited you over for breakfast. I'm not a breakfast person myself. But uh, imagine I brought you over for breakfast, and uh, the, the, the first course was a little bit of cereal. It's my favorite if I ever eat breakfast. It's uh, Frosted Flakes. So I'll pour some Frosted Flakes for you. Okay. And, and then I, I uh, yogurt always goes well with, uh, with, with cereal. I've got a spoon in here somewhere. So I then... Uh, Put some yogurt on your cereal before I serve it to you. And I've got some blueberries that uh, Kim picked uh, in, the, in the summer, so I, uh, I put some blueberries on. So that's, who would eat that as a breakfast? Anyone? Well, I have another ingredient that you probably won't find on a cereal. I just first need a a pair of gloves. Hold on, hold on, give me a moment. Okay, okay so, all right, here we go. Okay, here we go, I'm getting there. So this came from Kim's cat's litter box. Right? So the, quest, <laughs> the question is, how much cat poop is enough? How, how much, like if I, like I'm going to pull just a little bit of cat poop off you, just a little bit. Would you eat that? Right? Why? Because there's no amount of cat poop that's tolerable or acceptable in your breakfast. Now, two things. Firstly, I apologize for the juvenile nature of this illustration. <laughs> and secondly, it's not cat poop, it's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just candy. But that's the point I want to make. We wouldn't tolerate cat poop in our food because even the smallest bit just corrupts the whole meal. It's the same with gossip. Even the smallest bit corrupts the whole body. Third, 
And this is so serious as well. Gossip destroys our unity. To see how dangerous gossip is, we need to understand, first of all, how important unity is. And so in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. We often think of the Lord's Prayer as the one that we, we say, Our Father. That's actually the disciples' prayer. Because they, Jesus says, this is a you should pray. But there is a prayer that is actually the Lord's Prayer. And it's found in John 17. And in John 17, Jesus prays for his disciples. For the persecution they're going to face and what's, what's ahead of them. And he prays that they will have unity as they go into these dark days ahead of them. And then Jesus takes a moment to pray for us. Have a look at John 17. It's this profound moment where Jesus prays for us. Jesus says this, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Isn't that amazing that 2,000 years ago, our Savior Jesus prayed for you. And this is what Jesus prays. He doesn't pray that we would become wealthy and healthy and have tremendous churches and be popular and be loved everywhere. He doesn't pray that we would have all things, that we wouldn't suffer from any mental health issues or sadness or, or any of that. He doesn't pray for any of that. Do you know what he prays for? He says this, I pray that they will all be one as you and I are one. Do you get that? Jesus has a moment, a moment before his death to pray for each of us. And he prays above all for unity, that we may be one. And because, because unity is so important, when gossip destroys unity, it is a sad and devastating thing. So what? Firstly, don't listen to gossip. I know it's difficult. I know it's appealing. I myself, if I hear some tasty morsels, I, I tend to want to hear more. But we, we need to learn. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to just say, I'm not going to listen. I, I'm, I'm just not going to listen. Second thing we need to do is not spread it. Just not spread it. Solomon reminds us that without wood, a fire goes out, and without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Pastor Matt, at the beginning of this, asked the question, which is what is to be gained if I, if I am silent? And the answer is a lot. Ronan Keating, uh, from which boy band? Was it Westlife? Anyone? Anyone? Anyway, Ronan Keating uh, wrote a love song with a very disturbing line, if you, if you, if you see it in terms of uh, singing it to the person that he loves. But the line is this, you say it best when you say nothing at all. In other words, you say it best when you just shut up. Now, that's a horrible line to sing to someone you love, but it's a perfectly appropriate line when we're thinking of gossip. We say it best when we say nothing at all. And then thirdly, this is where I want to bring some light and just life into how we deal with gossip. 
We need to turn gossip on its head. And I'll tell you in a moment how we, how we do that. I'm a, a, an absolute uh, logophile, which means I'm a lover of words. And I can spend hours reach, researching a single word. I, I can just go down so many rabbit holes as I look at uh, words. And one of the things I, I love doing is looking at the origin of words, the etymology of words, where they came from and what the original meaning was. The original word, the word gossip, the original word for gossip was godsip. Godsip, where, where God, that's obvious, and sib, we use it as sibling, but it meant a family men, member or friend that you loved. And so in the 1400s, godsip meant to be a godparent to a younger person or to be a spiritual advisor to someone else. Godsip. Godsip. So here's the deal. When we're faced with gossip, or we're tempted to speak gossip, we need to turn that word on its head and turn it back to its original meaning of godsip, of being a spiritual advisor to someone, of being a godparent to someone. We need to turn gossip on its head. How do we do that? I'm just going to give you one, one way, and it's, it's kind of the way that I, I kind of I've, I've tried to teach myself, and I don't always do it, but I try to be very deliberate about this. Kim and I, a number of years ago, uh, traveled to, uh, we did a whole tour through Europe and then through England and Scotland. And if you take the subway in England, there's a, as you come to the end of the platform, there's a sign that says, Mind the Gap. And then there's someone who has the most boring job in the world because their whole day, all they say over the loudspeaker is, mind the gap, mind the gap, mind the gap. So this is how we deal with gossip. When, when someone comes to us with gossip, or we're tempted, ten, or tempted to, to, to gossip, there is a moment where there is a gap between the platform and the train, a moment where there is a space between us. And what, what's important is what we fill that space with. So if someone comes to you and they speak negatively or gossip about someone, you have a moment where you can believe that gossip and think about passing it on. Or you can say to yourself, mind the gap. And then in that space, that gap, speak words of life. Speak words from the Spirit about that person. And you will find that when you're filling the gap with encouragement and words of prayer and, and encouraging words, it's impossible to gossip. It's impossible. So I want to encourage you this week to do one thing. And that is to mind the gap. Just Mind the gap and fill it with words of life and encouragement and words from the Spirit. Father, we, uh, we confess that uh, we are so prone to the sins 
of our, our tongue, that our big fat mouths run away with us all the time. And we acknowledge that we do that, and we acknowledge the damages it causes to your body. But Father, you are gracious and merciful, and because of your Son, those sins of the mouth have no bearing on how you see us, on our salvation. And we, give you, we just give you praise and thanks for that. We thank you for your tremendous grace and mercy, even, even with our big fat mouths. Father, I pray for each of us as we go into this week, as we think about our words that we think or say, may we mind the gap, whether it's criticizing or complaining or gossip, may we mind the gap and fill that gap with words of life. We ask that you help us to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.